And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody, and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 291. We're coming at you, as always, from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. My name is Tom Harris. Welcome along to the show. And Thor is already out, folks. Yeah, Thor is already out, at least in Europe. And so people are seeing it more than once. So that's a good sign. So far, everyone's been real quiet, though, about it. And I, I gather from the uh, repeated viewings of some people that uh, they're liking the movie, and uh, I'm just hoping that it's good. So anyway, uh, I'm getting pretty excited at this point because it's out here, what, next week? So that'll be awesome. Now, uh, Pete and I probably are not going to see it the first week it's out. Um, we're not big fans of really crowded theaters, so we'll probably wait till the second or third week to see it. But, but we definitely am looking forward to Thor Ragnarok, or as they call it in Japan, Thor Battle Royale for some reason. All right, so we do have an issue of uh, Thor to cover, so let's move along to our review. And this week we are looking at the Mighty Thor number 196. Cover date is February 1972. Cover price 20 cents, which is really expensive. And cover art is by, it looks like, John Buscema and Frank Giacoya. Looks like Thor is being picked up by this giant with a big stone axe. And he's being dangled over, I don't know, sort of a Ditko-ish sort of stone bridge over a giant chasm. And the giant, for some reason, seems to have no legs. So I'm not exactly sure what's going on. Maybe, Maybe he's supposed to be standing behind a wall or maybe the artist just forgot to draw the legs. I'm not really sure. And um, the, the cover blurb uh, says, Cartag, the keeper. Ooh, he's a keeper. And uh, Thor, while he's being swung around by this giant, is saying, Asgardian, stand ye back whilst I do battle with Cartag. Thor stands or falls alone. And we open up to the splash page where we have the credits. Stan Lee was the editor. Jerry Conway was the scripter. John Buscema did the art. Vinnie Coletta was the inker. And John Costa was the letterer. The title of the story, Within the Realm of Cartag. And uh, as you remember, last issue, we were uh, stunned by something seen off panel that we didn't know what it was. And this time we actually see it. So, uh, the Warriors 3... Thor and uh, this uh, troll uh, who now has a name, he's called Kiger. They are um, standing before the, uh, a beautiful woman. And it says here, um, uh, Volstagg is saying, What ho, my lord? These noble eyes perceive a most uncanny sight. Upon yon distant crag, the visionary form of a lovely woman. Does loud Volstagg truly think he be the only man with eyes? says Hogan. 
Hogan speaks the truth, fat one. She be espied by all. My lord Thor, what doth this mean? I know not, says Thor. What sayest thou, guide? Noble lord, Kiger fears for us all. And um, let me describe the woman. Now, she is, uh, she's got dark hair, and she's dressed all in red, and she's got the sort of dark pink skin. Um, so in other words, she's she's has kind of the fashion sense and the coloring of Mephisto. <laughs> um, so something tells me that this may be notable. <laughs> anyway, um, we, then we get a little bit of a blurb here. Know ye, faithful ones, while Thor and his bold companions seek out the fabled well at the edge of the world, sacred Asgard doth tremble under the shadow of that dread demon Mangog. More than that thou wilt have to learn at the feet of these near legends. So they're uh, approaching this beautiful woman, and she says, Fear, and pray tell what shall you fear? Surely not I. Surely noble warriors like yourselves have nothing to fear from Satrina. So her name even sounds like Satan. <laughs> I mean, she's got horns, sort of. Uh, she's got like a widow's peak hairdo, and she's got a, uh, a a headpiece that has like horns on it, but also kind of wings on the side, like Thor's helmet. So anyway, uh, and she is sort of traditionally Kirby beautiful. And Thor says, uh, he is but recently rescued from death, and his nerves are yet frayed. Mind not the small ones babbling, milady. Ah, that explains it then. But come, you must all be most weary. Please, accept the comforts of my home, though they be spare at best. And they go into a cave, and it's not little. <laughs> uh, it's a big, huge cave, and it actually looks a lot like the room where they were having the dance party of last issue at the beginning, um, with the shiny floor, and we've got the sort of raised areas and couches, and there's, instead of a, a water fountain, there's a big fountain with fire in it, uh, which I guess would make sense if she's, you know, somehow fiery. And she says... Uh, Though they be spare at best, they are yours. And Thor says, Methinks we do deserve this brief hiatus from our quest. Our bones indeed are heavy. Doth any say nay? Not from Volstagg wilt thou receive complaint, my lord. Yea, I'll find this pleasant. So will I, large one. Tis not often there are guests in Darkhold. Long have I yearned for someone to admire my little treasures, such as this bejeweled charm. Does it not have a fine shape? Look within, fair warriors, and behold, the crimson mist! And this uh, machine that she's kind of showing off to them uh, starts shooting these red mist everywhere, and it knocks them all out. So, yeah, and so I guess we can pretty much decide here that this Satrina is pretty evil. Anyway, and as they're uh, choking on the, the smoke, uh, you know, Hogan says, my lord, some treacherous smoke. Stay thy breath, says Thor. Try not to. And it says, uh, for an instant, bright colors fill their minds, and then they sink into scarlet darkness. Sleep well, fair prince. Because of this ploy, the keeper shall be pleased. Very pleased. Some time passes, and we get a little bit of a, a blurb here. Soon sight and sound seem to return to the thunder god. Yet tis a vision most strange, the cream-soft features of a woman. 
And it's a uh, blonde woman. She's your kind of typical Star Trek vixen type. And she's carrying a, a horn, like a drinking horn, and has a tray with a big like decanter on it. So I guess she's, uh, yeah, has a drink here. Noble Lord, art thou fully rested? Name thy wish, food or drink. Neither, methinks, says Thor. My mind doth seem oddly clouded. And we see uh, elsewhere in the room we have the Warriors Three, and they're they're awake and they're um, flirting with women of various uh, sizes and, and shapes and colors. And um, and Fandral says, "And why not, good my lord? Thou hast lain like one dead these past hours, whilst we three have found ourselves most admirably acquitted. True, Volstag." Most true, fair Fandral, yea, my lovely. And they're all flirting with these uh, women here. And it says, even as a pleasant giddiness near overcomes him, Thor finds himself wondering, was there not something else? Something more important than mere pleasure? And um, Thor is kind of following the blonde woman to the, you know, I guess to the rest of them. We have the troll who's he's hiding behind some uh, drapery or something. And he reaches out and he touches Thor's arm and he says, Thundergad, wilt thou not at least take heed? You saved my life. Allow me to return the favor. Talk sense, creature. Who art thou? What dost thou want? She slaved you with a spell, Thundergod. Believe this one who cannot be blinded. All is not what it seems. And there's a zrak. And the troll falls down, um, either unconscious or dead. And we see uh, Satrina, and uh, she says, How unfortunate. The troll seems to have had an accident. Nay, woman, says Thor, these eyes are open now. I know not why thou hast thought to thwart our search for the well at World's Edge, nor do I truly care. For the death of that defenseless one and for other sins, I'll see you burn in... And he's like, no! And uh, the reason he's saying no is because he's looking at uh, Hogan and Fendrel and Volstagg and they're uh, still flirting with their women, except uh, these women are not women at all. They are big, horrible, slug-like monsters uh, with the sort of unpleasant tentacles. And yeah, they're kind of nasty creatures. And uh, Thor says, I see what mine eyes before saw not. Those maidens fair with whose arms did caress are monsters, demons true. Nay! And uh, Thor throws aside the one that, that uh, Volstagg is, is canoodling with. <laughs> and, um, he, he says, Not so shall we end. Why do by our very senses? These things must die. And Fandral's like, Art mad, Thor? T'was a lady thou hast struck. And Fandral strikes in turn. And so Fandral kind of sweeps at Thor with his sword, but uh, it looks like it looks like he he hits him, but it, not really. I guess there's he's not wounded or anything. So uh, so um, Thor's trying to stop him. He says, "Nay, thou dost not understand." I know enough," says Fandral. "Thy will be sapped, fool," says Thor. "The woman controls thy mind." Woman, what woman? Thou speakest madness. And thou shalt speak no more," says Hogan. And Hogan baps. Uh, Thor with his mace and knocks him down. And Satrina is like, Excellent, excellent. Fight thus among yourselves. My beloved Kartag will find this most amusing and perhaps will look more favorably upon she who seeks 
the blessing of the well. Friends, art thou truly deaf to her venomous words? She plots our deaths, though it pains my very soul. To save thee, must I kill thee? And he shoots a, a beam out of his hammer, and I guess the question is answered in the next panel, and he, they don't die because, you know, you don't kill off the Warriors 3 like that. And he says, Nay, our luck seems better. These bolts will hold thee helpless, whilst I seek fiery answers. And so they are trapped by the sort of rays that come out of Mjolnir. This is a power we haven't seen before. So, yeah, so this is new. And Thor approaches Satrina, and the uh, slug creatures are kind of surrounding her at this point. You need the meaning for my moves? No, then, futile little god. I am the servant of Kartag, who keeps the twilight well. I sought his favor, but now I see you are too strong for my charms. Yea, woman, says Thor. "'Tis a strength that will punish your deceit. "'I think not, dear friend. "'I go now to Kartag. "'Bring your punishments to him. "'Ha-ha-ha-ha-ha!' <laughs> "'And she disappears in sort of a, a pink mist "'along with her uh, slug creatures "'who look very, very happy. "'And they are gone. "'Thor turns around. "'He's like, "'Rise, old friends. "'The witch be gone. "'Tis time we moved along.' "'And Fandral says, "'My lord, forgive me. "'Twas like a dream.' Say no more, Fendril, says Thor. All Asgard depends upon our quest, and for their sake we dare delay no longer. And we then shift scenes, and we are back in Asgard, and of course the battle going on here against the Mangog, and we have Odin and his armies, and he's giving some sort of a benediction or something. He's, he's on the balcony, and he's got his hand raised up. He's not saying anything, but he's thinking to himself. My men doth await my word, yet what word shall it be? This battle seems truly doomed, and so what may Odin say? Perhaps the truth will do, my lord. Should not the lost know their star-crossed fate? Who dares? You! What means this intrusion, dark one? And it turns out to be Hela, of course, and Hela's like, why, my lord, Hela doth go where Hela doth please. What place be there where the goddess of death may not walk? Thou dost grow bolder, night queen. Perhaps a black secret be thine, and thou dost seek to mock me with it. Tell me, woman, how doth fare my son, the noble Thor? Tis a futile quest you've set him on, Odin. Yet thou knowest this, dost thou not? Yea, so it seems. But I have sought to save him. Asgard fights its final battle this day, and methinks none shall survive. From this thou sent him, my lord? Then thou must also know he'll not forgive thee for this unseeming gift. Thinkest thou I be blind? Get thee hence, night queen, lest my power be by my grief provoked. And uh, he chases Hela off. And we see outside of the, uh, the Odin hold, as they call it, and uh, Mangog is really wrecking up Asgard. He's, and the place is really, um, yeah, getting, getting wrecked up. Where is he? Send him to me. Send Odin to Mangog. Let the murderer taste my fury. The thing be mad, says one of the uh, gods. His mouthings make no sense. Nay, a sense of sorts they form. Once he was the embodiment of a race entire. A race our liege did condemn to eternal exile. But was not the race freed? Yea, but Mangog does still live. 
in a matter most mystic, his ethereal body still encompassed that dread power, the hating strength of a billion, billion beings. Here, apparently, we have a couple of Norse gods that we've never heard of before, those being the Norse gods of exposition. And they're shooting at uh, Mangog with this sort of uh, high-tech Kirby cannon uh, with a zroom and there's like energy bolts coming out and they are not having any effect on the Mangog at all. And uh, somebody says, "'Tis true, even the thunder cannon cannot affect him." Shift back to Odin and he's on his horse now and he's uh, changed clothes since the last page. He and his old people army that he assembled last issue are uh, getting ready to ride out and attack the Mangog. And he says, Friends, we can await my son no longer. And if ere he finds the Twilight Well, perhaps in time he will return. And mayhap this day will end in victory. Yet there be no time. Now we must needs attack. For Odin! For Asgard! And everyone's going, For Asgard! And uh, Mangog is happy to see them. And he's like, Villain, at last their face is seen, but seen only for an instance, vile godling, only till you die. Mangog takes the, uh, it's like the ground, and the, the, the army of Asgard is kind of going over this little narrow bridge, and um, it's kind of odd, but okay, um, that they would actually do this when they, they knew that something like this is about to happen. Um, a Mangog picks up the bridge, and he throws it back with a troom, and all the gods go flying back, and their horses, and, uh, yep, yeah. says, uh, bands of muscle rippling cross steel-thewed shoulders. The Mangog heaves upward, and the bridge of stone be torn. And then the creature doth pass onward, leaving naught but wreckage behind. Odin is in the water, and he gets up, and he sees that one of his companions is floating face down, and he says, Khan! Oh, no, well, he doesn't quite say that. He says, Khan! Nay, not even fate may be so cruel. And it looks at Icon has his dead. He doth lie so still. Dare I test his breathing? What does it matter? I know the dread answer. I know what I must do. And uh, we then shift scenes, and we are on the Black World. I remember last issue that Odin sent uh, Sif and Hildegard uh, to the Black World, and they found a mysterious village, and uh, they're still trying to get a place to sleep or something. Anyway, so um, they're knocking at doors, and people are not wanting to talk to them. So Hildegard's knocked at the door, and somebody answers, and... Uh, and he says, Fools, I dare not answer your questions. He is coming, and ye be mad to stay without. But, and the door gets slammed, and Sif is like, It's no use, Hildegard. We'll not soon find shelter in this village. So what doth it matter? We'll bunk on grass and earth, then. When Odin sent us hither, he spoke of no towns, no mysterious threats. Methinks there's something strange afoot, my lady. We'll be wise to sleep on yonder hillside, eh? Then they hear a sound coming from behind, and Hildegard says, My lady, behind us, there doth come a sound. Horsemen, says Sif, and a bunch of uh, people on horses, and they're wearing armor, kind of a very sleek, futuristic type of armor. 
Not, not like a medieval armor. Almost Iron Man armor, actually. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, these, these people on horseback, looks like there's four of them come riding out, and they have different colored capes. Uh, one has a yellow cape, one has a red cape, one has a blue cape, and the other one is sort of a... I can't really tell. I think it's purple, but it, you can't really tell, so maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, so they come and they're, uh, one of them tries to snag a Sif off the ground, and uh, they say, Aye, ye be a fine morsel, lass, fitting to be saved from his clutches. My lady, says Hildegard, but ye, fat one, best ye die, for we'll not steal the likes of you. And um, so these guys are talking Irish, kind of. A battle, is it? Good enough, then. Hildegard reaches out and she grabs the uh, lance that the one guy has, the guy in the yellow cape, and she flips him off his horse and smashes him into uh, one of the other guys. And I, this is the one with the indeterminately colored cape. I think the red cape. <laughs> the guy is going, uh, Aye, tis a witch we've found. Ah. And uh, the guy in the blue uh, cape says, A witch, Sir Glane. Well, then we'll see what she does with steel when it's put through her head. And she uh, is being borne down upon by the the blue knight. And not only the knight is blue, but his horse is blue as well. Actually, several of the horses are blue or purple. So anyway, so it's a blue knight on a blue horse, and he's attacking Hildegard. And Hildegard is not having any of that. And so she just grabs the horse's uh, front as it as it comes close to her and flips it over in the air. <laughs> and um, Hildegard says, I like these types, my lady. They come out of nowhere and most graciously provide us with fine sport. She flips the horse over and throws the uh, blue knight off and he lands on his face on the ground. And Hildegard says, Methinks he doth protest too much. If Odin thought to protect us, as I'm sure he did, he most surely seems to have failed in that aim, yea, my lady. Why we're on this blighted world doth not concern me, Hildegard. Nay, not now, at any rate. This battle hath awoken a flame within me. And uh, she's fighting the, the guy in the red cape. and He has a blue horse as well. And uh, she reaches and, and grabs the guy's sword and he and starts uh, thwacking him with it. It says, And once more I feel that dark craving an emotion akin to my love for Thor, the battle love of a warrior born. And yeah, so she's whacking the guy with his own sword. And Hildegard seems to be thrilled by all this. And uh, she's like, calm yourself, girl. They're all dispatched. We've other things to think on now. Oh, name them, Hildegard. For one, the nature of this world. And for another, just who the creature be of whom they speak with such consuming dread. And we shift scenes, and once again we are back in the uh, the uh, this strange world that uh, Thor and the Warriors Three are on, and we see them approaching this big empty ruin, and it's a big uh, yeah it's a big purple and blue ruin, and there's kind of yellow mist, and uh, it's obviously been ruined for some time. The caption says. Elsewhere, across the rim of this benighted galaxy, four weary figures do a broken path follow, through a stinking place wound with dusk-purple mist. These men, too, did Odin seek to save, by sending them off on a timely quest, to a place where even Mangog might fear to tread. And they're climbing up over these, uh, these ruins, and Thor says, 
Perhaps now we'll take our rest. Thence doth lie the well. If I may speak for the others, my lord, says Fendrel, I say we go on. And, my lord, and there's a sort of a tremor going on, and Thor says, Yea, Fendrel, I feel it. Beneath our feet, the world doth shake apart. And there's a, a big sort of brown monster worm sort of thing coming up out of the ground. And Volstagg says, On these valiant eyes sight the cause, my liege, yon flaming dragon. And I guess it could be a dragon. Uh, it's kind of, if it is a dragon, it's sort of the wormy type of dragon, if you know what I mean. It's not, it doesn't seem to have any arms or legs or wings or anything, uh, but it has a, a big mouth and big fangs and sort of uh, spines on its head, kind of like a fish, fish spine on its head. Not sure how it's locomoting around this place, but uh, anyway, and its uh, word balloons are blue. And it says, uh, Who be thee who walk these forbidden lands? Know that ye stand within the realm of Cartag. And it has some sort of like lightning or fire coming out of its mouth. And I am Redguard, the last and the greatest of the keeper's slaves. What madness this, says Thor, that a slave should thus feel proud? No madness, foul ant. "'Tis but the way of world's end, "'just as it's tis our way that you die.'" And uh, he spits pink fire at Thor. Thor gets thrown back. The, the warriors three see this happening, and uh, Hogan says, "'Thor falls. Demon, thy name be cursed. "'They'll call thee by a different word in Hades.'" Um, so he's turned Greek all of a sudden. <laughs> anyway... Nay, grim one, says Fendrel, thou dost take a false approach. Not even thy most powerful blow can shatter that steely hide. Thou dost speak the truth, puny one. Tis a gross pity thou shalt live to speak again. What insanity this that monsters talk, and brave men fall beneath foul and fetid breath. And so the warriors three are trying to uh, grab Thor, drag him to safety. Fendrel says, Friend Hogan, hast thou not guessed? We've each our own bitter fantasies, and that creature doth seem indeed to embody them all. But Volstagg hath no midnight demons, no nightmares, or blithe fears. Why then this new horror? They start climbing up this sort of tower thing, but all of a sudden all the ground underneath is all on fire. So it's like they're in this big lake of fire kind of thing. Perhaps our lord may answer that, fat one, says Fendrel. Tis obvious, methinks, says Thor. But the creature hath surrounded us with a sea of boiling flame. By Odin's beard, be there no escape, says Hogan. Nay, no normal escape for sure, says Thor. None which she might have foreseen, save the power of Mjolnir. So then Thor does exactly what I said last issue that he should have done. And that is, he whips his hammer around and he takes off. And the warriors three are kind of all grabbed onto each other and are trailing along uh, behind him. This, like Fandral has grabbed his legs, and Hogan has one of Fandral's legs, and Volstagg is, is on the bottom, which, um, yeah, that seems like a bad idea, but anyway. And Fandral says, Lord Thor, one day I'll kiss that blessed hammer. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> but pray thee, what didst thou mean by she? Surely thou dost jest. Who else but... And Hogan says... Thunder God, upon yon shallow ledge, Saint Rena. 
But of course, black hair, twas my hand that created Redguard, my word that sent him against you. But why, woman, says Thor, what threat are we to your lord and master? We but seek the twilight well, no more, no less, says Hogan. Tis all? Why, how grand! Can it be you are truly ignorant of that well's mystery? Yes, yes, that explains it all. Well, my lovelies, you've a shock or two awaiting you, and to that end I might yet be of service. Allow me to be your guide, gentlemen, in place of the troll you lost. Guide? Again you mock us, woman. No, not this time, blonde hair. I'll lead you all right, but I fear you'll find this journey's end most unpleasant. Aside from my lord Cartag, there's another threat awaiting you at world's end. The threat of the twilight well. The madwoman doth speak in riddles, says Thor. Yea, but their meaning seems most clear. Tis a fear, though I fear tis but a trap. I'm for following her, my lord. So also speaks gallant Volstagg. For what have we to lose but our lives? And we then shift scenes, and we are back in Asgard, and uh, Odin is uh, mourning his friend Khan. Uh, he's kind of holding uh, Khan in his arms. And who should approach Odin but Hela? And uh, yeah, so somebody's dead, and that's kind of what Hela does. Anyway, so uh, we hear a voice, and she says, Now, Lord Odin, thou must hand him to me, for he is mine. So soon have I regained his friendship these past hours only to so quickly lose it? Khan was the oldest of my friends, woman, and the oldest and most dear. Though my duty be plain, think thee that Ella be unknowing of this. It be never pleasant. And Odin moves on and leaves um, Khan with uh, Ella. And we see uh, he's moving towards the battle again, and Mangog is still just kind of throwing everybody aside. And it says, like one in a trance, Odin moves to the southern gates, where the sights and sounds of carnage do most brutally assault his weary senses. For an instant he stands watching, the sounds stilled. And then something within his noble soul doth break, and the Allfather cries out, Enough! Too many good men have died this day! Too many bold thoughts are ended. I have seen it now. And uh, he gets all glowy and Kirby crackly and something big is going on. No longer can we wait for Thor to return with the well waters we'd so desperately need. There must come an end. If not else, I be the master of my own domain. Master of its life and master of its death. All else hath failed. The Mangog hath almost triumphed. And for the sake of a thousand universes, this must not be. And he starts this big purple storm going and a big like purple tornado going around and everybody's getting thrown around, including the Mangog. So this is obviously very powerful. And we do, like pull out uh, away from Asgard and, and the, the, the words are, are so loud that they're just like big words in the air. This day be my power. By my glory, the sacred word doth forever pass away. We cut to where Hildegard and Sif are, and they see what's going on from a very great distance. And uh, uh, Hildegard says, uh, Why do you walk? 
Some blazing star hath become a nova. And Sif says, A star? Yea, my lady, make a wish upon it, tis supposed to bring good fortune. If that be truly so, good companion, then why doth my heart so rapidly beat, and a nameless fear descend upon me? And we shift back to Thor and the Warriors 3, and they are at a, um, I don't know, they're kind of in a cloudy, mountainous area, and there's a sort of purple spines everywhere, and uh, the kind of white clouds, kind of misty all through, and they're following uh, Satrina. Thor says, Here, witch. Yes, blonde hair, that which you seek lies beyond in that night dark cave. And Fandral says, uh, Thor, go not forward. I fear for thy safety. Nay, good friend, I do what I must, says Thor. Then at least let us... Nay, Thor goes alone. And we get a uh, caption here. The chamber beyond is filled with swirling smoke and a moist, bitter stench of burning wool. Hammer unlimbered, eyes against the darkness. The thunder god doth move slowly forward. Though a harsh bellow shatters the echoing silence. Blonde hair, thou art an arrogant fool. This day thou hast played thy final hand, and thou wilt die in the grip of Cartag. Next issue The Secret of the Well. And that is the Mighty Thor number 196. And of course, we'll be talking about that issue right after this message from one of our friends. Space, the final frontier. These are the recordings of the podcast, Give Me That Star Trek. It's ongoing mission to explore all of Star Trek, to seek out new guests and new opinions, to boldly go where many have gone before. Star Trek, a new episode every month only at fireandwaterpodcast.com and on iTunes. And we're back, and of course we have a few things to say about the issue as usual. So you can't say there's not a lot going on. There, there, there really is. We've got no less than three major plots going on at any given time in this issue. Uh, we've got you know Odin and his fight against Mangog and, and the people dying, and and then Odin getting all pissed off and kind of exploding. And you kind of wonder why Odin just didn't do that to start with. But, you know, I guess that's a, a question that remains to be answered. Why would he let all these gods die and all this property be damaged, uh, you know, when all he has to do is basically throw the giant temper tantrum? I mean, I don't know. So anyway, <laughs> um, so this is one of those things that doesn't ring quite true for me with that particular plot. Then, of course, we have Hildegard and Sif on the Black Planet. Uh, so we don't know what's going on there yet, uh, other than the fact that uh, there's some mysterious him coming. And, you know, I thought initially it was probably Mangog, but this is probably somebody not quite as interesting uh, as my guess, uh, because they're kind of drawing it out. It's probably Loki or somebody like that. <laughs> I'm not quite sure, but I guess we'll find out as, as the issue goes on. And, of course, we have the main plot, and that, of course, is Thor and the Warriors 3, and they're uh, going after um, 
you know, the Wall of Twilight or whatever. And, of course, they need to go and fight against Cartag and that. It's all pretty boilerplate kind of stuff. Uh, there's nothing particularly original about it. Standard kind of quest kind of plot line. It's not as inventive as a lot of the early Lee Kirby stuff, I have to say. The, the problem with these Asgardian stories is they do eventually tend to fall into some kind of a rut. When you have these Asgard-type stories, they kind of fall into several major categories. And there's the sort of the, the political intrigue category, and then you've got the Asgard being taken over by some threat category, and then you have the endless quest sort of category. And we do see a lot of these sort of endless quest things going on during this era of Thor, certainly around the era where I started reading the book and we actually had a, uh, a show that I did, a Back to the Bins, where we talk about my very first Thor episode, uh, which I believe is like 239 or, or thereabouts. You know, th that kind of a storyline was just what they were doing at that point in time. So this is not anything special. Again, Jerry Conway, I mean, he's written some good stuff, stuff that I've liked, but this is nothing special. Artwork is also nothing special. I like John Buscema's artwork. I really do. Our, John Buscema is one of the greats. He's definitely one of those people who helped establish a, a visual language for Thor. And up until the Simonson era, I would say that, that Buscema is second only to Kirby in terms of, of his influence on the book. Yet the art in this issue is very uh, not good. Um, and I can't blame Vinnie Coletta for it because I think that the, this this issue looks rushed. There's a lot of very, very simple characters. And Coletta, you know, he's known as a fast inker and not necessarily a good embellisher. He's not, he's not somebody who fills in details of anything. He's somebody who gets rid of detail. So it's just these sort of very basic characters and uh, very kind of crude uh, ink job on here. But also the the art looks rushed, and yeah, you know, maybe because he was you know maybe because Buscema was also drawing Conan something else too. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, it's a it's a somewhat less than satisfactory typical issue from the uh, the early seventies. And let's let's face it, the early seventies were not Marvel's best era. So anyway. Uh, with that, it's time to wrap up the show. Thanks again, folks, for listening. We really do appreciate it. And, of course, if you want to email the show, you can do so. The email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. You can also find us over on Facebook. Just look for Radio Free Asgard there, and you will find us. And with that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard, and we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review Send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard. <laughs>